Greetings, friends! Welcome back to another very special episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. Hey, what's up, Nicolas Cage on YouTube? I see you over there, baby. Uh, <laughs> I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my super rich guy who I should feel bad for in ghost. Definitely Alex Dandino, 100%. Right, yeah, I am 100%. rich. 100%. <laughs> I mean, you afforded that Nicolas Cage throw pillow, so gift going well. Actually, it's a gift from my father, which plays into there this movie go. today. Anyways. All right, guys. Today we have a very special double feature presentation selected by one of our patrons, uh, Aaron Klepfer. I believe he goes by Big Air on the Discord if you guys are in there. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, he's been a fan of ours for a while. He's a good guy. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your pick. So today, Aaron has decided... As part of our Patreon program, uh, he would like to do a double feature of The Game and American Psycho. So that is the double feature we will be embarking upon today. Guys, if you want to select your own movies, go to uh, patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. For as little as a dollar a month, you can join the community, get in, see what we're all about. As you go up the tiers, you can begin to actually select the movies that you would like us to cover in our Patreon-exclusive library. Uh, or you can pick double features or program a month, things like this that uh, hit the main feed. Uh, however you want us to talk about movies, there are options available there. We work very hard to try to earn your money. We have some really cool projects we're going to be rolling out True. as the year goes on. So join us over there, patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. You can see video versions of most of our pods there, along with some other, again, fun stuff we're working on. Set you pieces. You can email the show. Yeah, set pieces actual sets or is it who knows uh you can email the show filmalchemistpod at gmail.com you can find us on all the social media you're on we're very easy to get a hold of we love interacting and hearing from you guys so get at us also leave us those rating and reviews wherever you find the show quick five star sentence or two about why you like us helps us defeat the algorithmic corporations that are trying to make a mockery of our very existence oh right enough business let's get down to it damn it uh, I think this double feature is amazing, right? So the game in American Psycho, good picks. Get they get at this the wealthy one percent, you know, white guy who thinks he owns the world, and then that gets disrupted, right? Peeling back the face of the uh, the perhaps monster underneath of this wealthy class, or does it? But I think the two movies actually play really fun in tandem. So at the start, we're starting with the game, right? So the game is a film. Where we follow this man, Nicholas Van Orfeeder. Yeah, Von Beefeeder, whatever his name is. Nicholas, little Nicky, right? So little Nicky's running around in his daddy's palatial estate uh, with Ilsa of the SS. (laughs) 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 So essentially, this film. Okay, and this is another thing, Alex. Had you ever seen this before? You know, it's funny. I've only ever seen the trailer for this movie uh, yeah. along with the DVD for The American President, which is also some other Michael Classic. Douglas fare. So I've never seen this either. So we're both going in blind. This is a strange, yeah. strange movie. Yes. I am baffled by the amount of things that were head scratching in this film. And it never quite settles on what it wants to be, right? The way I would best describe this movie is... This is total recall for your uncle that likes to hang out at the golf course, talk about stocks and think Hooters waitresses are actually interested in him. (laughs) Right. This is a Christmas Carol. If you'd like to take out all that introspection and behavior change, right? It's a, it's a movie that tells you up front that everything we're about to witness is a game and then tries desperately to convince us that it's not and I never know where this movie settles or how I'm supposed to be reacting to any scene. Alex, what did you make of the game? The game's very stylish. I'll give it that. A lot of style in that Fincher fair. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not sure I'd characterize it quite like that. I'd say it's more like this is that movie where is that movie where everyone's like, have you seen the game? <sighs> Dude gotta see the game like the game's just like one of those i'm like has anyone ever talked to you about the game in public because no, i've never had no, no no this is but this is one of those movies that like when it comes up like if there's this is one of those movies that if there's an opportunity to bring it up that guy brings it up 
and it becomes that movie. Um, it's, yeah, it's just a head scratcher. There's a lot of just like really strange tangents this movie takes and a lot of like a shockingly liberal amount of suspension of disbelief. There's a lot of that going on within the context of the movie that I think it, it's interesting. It doesn't, it doesn't suck. It's just interesting. Like there's like it, it's very it's very convoluted for me. Yeah, and that's the thing is that there are, there are large stretches of the film that really worked for me. There's some really good filmmaking, some really good acting. Yeah, and then it's it's just one of those films where there are constant grenades. Right, you're like you're starting to get into it, and you're like yes, and then something happens, and I would immediately just be like wait what. And so then I would spend the next 15 minutes trying to, like, readjust my mind and rethink the whole movie as I had watched it. Right. And that happened about five times. I think I told this on the pod before, right? But I was uh, I used to write movie reviews for this blog, right? And we would get called in every now and again to do, you know, screenings with directors. And I'd get a write-up, you know, reviews and give them notes and whatever. And I remember this director told me once, he says, your job as a director is to never make the audience confused to where you lose them, right? He's like, every time something happens and they go, wait, what? You've lost them for an average of the next seven minutes of the movie. Right. Right? And this is a longer movie than it needs to be. But let's assume it's an hour and a half movie, right? Right. You're already taking about 10% of their movie watching time. They're not paying attention to the movie. And I feel like this movie does that like 10 times. I, it's interesting. It's constant. It's interesting. You, so for me, the question is not, um, what was the, what's the, the director said? The question is, um, what was it again? It was, don't, don't confuse your audience. Cause you lose them for an, about seven minutes after that. Right. 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 So it's not, sorry, that, that's, that was the train of thought. It's not, and not leaving them questions, but leaving right. them things that they absolutely are like, wait, what? The, right. <laughs> what? Th that's what it is. The question for me through the game is not wait, what it's wait, why? Like, that is a huge problem I have throughout the entire movie. Well, let's, let's start here, okay? Because I think my analogy to Total Recall is an apt one, right? Like, one of those debates you have all the time if you talk movies with people, right? Uh, is Decker a replicant in Blade Runner? Which You're is? like, maybe, but it's a less interesting movie in a way. Right. Right? I always thought if Decker is a replicant, it's a little bit less interesting, right? Maybe some people feel the other way. It's, I, feel, uh, it's I feel the other yeah. way. Is total recall of his like vacation experience. And you're like, yeah, probably, but that's way less interesting. I think total recall does a really good job of because of the way it's packaged, right? It's Arnold in an Arnold movie. It makes sense that a guy like that is not just running a jackhammer, right? You're like, it makes sense that that guy is now on this espionage tour. Total recall does a great job of giving us permission to completely throw away act one and pretend that we've just jumped into the Arnold movie that you always wanted to watch, right? Right. This movie has an enormous problem at its core, which is I don't think there was one second of this film, not one, where I ever assumed this was not a ruse and that Michael Douglas was not going to come out okay. Yeah. Did you have that experience? Yeah, no, there wasn't a single moment in this. There was. This is what gets me back to the wait why for me is – Yes, there was not a single moment in the movie that I was like, Michael Douglas might not survive this. because. But because of that, the entire time I was sitting there and going like, this just seems like a very elaborate way to get someone to like appreciate the thing. Like There was just a lot going on that I didn't understand because <laughs> the entire time I was just like, I know he's going to be fine in the end, but like this is a lot to get through to get to, it's all good. There's a lot. We'll, we'll get to the lessons learned or not, per se, by the end of the film, right? But there, this felt very much like it's, it's one of those old, you know, screenplay 101 things, right? Add obstacles. Right? Right. Like, oh, and I'm like, good Lord, they really believed in that, right? And what I thought was funny, though, right, is I think this movie, in a weird way, is working really well that it perhaps didn't intend, which is... Michael Douglas plays such an absolute cock. Like, it is so masterfully done. Yeah. It is so in his essence. I believe that that's how he wakes up every day, right? That he just wakes up in these pajamas that cost more than my house and just walks around being a fucking asshole to everyone on Earth because we're less than him, right? Right. It just... And that might not be how he is at all in real life. 
But it's so natural for him to be such a cock. And for the first, like, 25 minutes of this movie, the way he talks to everyone is insufferable. And you're watching it, and you're like, the only regret I have in Act 1 of this movie is that it's not called The Hunt instead of The Game. Like, I want him to die and be punished yeah. because he's such a piece of shit. And he, it just he's merciless. Like, he's, like, mercilessly rude to everyone. Ev- oh, my God. Everybody. This, uh, including yeah, his own brother. About this. His own. Well, I mean, Sean Penn is your brother, like, walking in with the Seymour Butt slash sneeze comedy <laughs> intro. You're like, yeah, I'd probably be a little fed up with him. Are you as kidding well. me? This guy's just getting classic yucks. Good for him. I was like, what are you in like a Gallagher cult now? Like, what are you <laughs> you're pulling out the old bits. Like, you're gonna do the little Charlie Chaplin <laughs> dancing potatoes at the table. But yeah, so it's just, but it's strange, right? So there is an element of this movie that worked really well, which was this is everyone who watched Wall Street, right? And Gordon Gecko's greed is good, right? And that just avatar for this disgusting fucking run of wealthy one percenters right they want to take everything from the rest of us we're just here to feed them we don't exist blah 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 right they live this whole other life right i think he even says it to his secretary when he's just saying no to all these parties and she's like wow that seems like it'd be okay and he's like you don't know society so you don't know the joys of saying no and i was like kill him take him down you know burn him at the stake i'm over it (laughs) and that's what this movie does so yeah. there is an element of this movie that works exceptionally well which is it's all of us who hate that person and hate gordon gecko as this avatar for so many people so many people we know and usually because we're related to them right that just are in that zone and they talk to us like if we don't have our stock portfolio available for conversation all the time we don't count right it is really fun to watch them get dragged and this movie does a great job of that yeah, I mean, there's a lot of this. Um, I actually feel like the movie spends a lot more time trying to get us to. Uh, it, they spend a lot of the beginning because like the whole opening montage, which is like kind of like a super like uh, super 16 film um, yeah. is supposed to like show you like this child, this tragic death that happened in Michael Douglas child is supposed to inform you of like why he's why he's kind of a dick, even though it doesn't at all. He's just a dick because he's a rich guy. Um, yeah. But they spend an inordinate amount of time trying to make you almost sympathize with him. And then not at all do you spend as an adult. Like him and as an adult almost immediately tarnishes that. And you're like, I don't really care what happens to this guy. It's really it's really peculiar. Like, And I didn't understand like him being the main character of the movie is really fascinating. Because then like you kind of spend the rest of the movie – if you're watching it from our perspective, which is like this one percenter guy is a dick to everybody. And then like his brother gives him this really weird gift. He also could have just thrown it away. Like there's just all this other, there's a very strange thread that is that they're trying to pull for Michael Douglas's character for this whole thing to work. And like, I was going to ask you what motivates. Cause like, he just seems like the kind of guy who's not going to be into this. Like, and he also seems like the kind of guy who's dismissed his brother more times than not. So my question to you is what makes him go to CRS to even do this? Like why? I think what it is, right. Is they kind of, they kind of lay some breadcrumbs that I think are supposed to make him a human person, right? Like, look at me. I'm a real boy. I'm not this fucking, (laughs) you know, corporate marauding Pinocchio as it were, but he is, Yeah. but they do the, Oh, I didn't realize this was the same birthday that dad jumped off the roof and died, right? Oh, I didn't think of that. Oh, you almost missed my birthday. It's 1140. Right. Him singing his little happy birthday to himself with his little fucking poppy seed cheese bee. And you're just like, that's depressing as fuck. Yeah. Right? Like, his life seems really fucking miserable. So they set that up. And then his brother comes in town. And so I think the CRS, they play this two ways, right? Is one, it's a chance to find out how his brother's fucking up and Mm -hmm. how he'll be able to, like, wield that over his brother again right and two at okay, the, the okay, gym yeah. steam room right they have like this like you know i don't know locker room scene that i guess that's how rich people do it they just like shower around each other and shit all the time yeah they're fine with all that yeah i don't know us us less thans we just go yeah. to the gym and then uh, drive home to yeah shower, us poor go and drive <laughs> you don't shower at our house we don't we're not needed that badly we can shower at home. i don't i don't i don't <laughs> need no, to i don't need to do show my thing. manhood that badly in front of other people or do we? Maybe that's what we're missing. <laughs> that's how you get rich. That's what I've missed. Our, our side hustle as gigolos in the locker room. <laughs> oh, are you ready for your 
cloudy with a chance of meatballs down under, sir. <laughs> but they play this thing, right, where these two actors, as we find out later, are like, this is like getting in on the ground floor of Disney. Right? right? They're privately owned by a single family. So now they're fucking tickling his corporate raider thing, right? right? Like maybe he can get in, see what this is about, and crush it. He'd already taken the test by that point, so I'm not sure that that actually works. Right. I feel like those scenes were slightly out of place because it's the same thing when he's in the room, though. He walks into CRS, and there's actually a really interesting scene that kind of plays the motif throughout the film, which is he walks in, and the lady's like, oh, I'm sorry. We declined your application. Yeah. And he's like, hey, excuse me, interrupt what you're doing, assistant. You know, excuse work me. with me. And she, and she just goes. You have games at this game company? Yes. Yeah, no, she fucking shushed him, right? Yeah. And he is, like, taken aback, like, the Vipers. How dare you, madam? And and then the other guy's like, hey, hold my sack of lunch or whatever. Love so it. there's a real nagging going on mm-hmm. that I think in a weird way is what he's looking for. And the brother could have clued him in, like, hey, maybe bring this guy down a peg. Maybe he likes it. Because that's the thing. I was saying to myself, I was like, my brother got me a birthday gift. And it was, hey, you have to go do a homework montage for, like, your entire business day. Right. I'd be like, yeah, I'm leaving. I'm quitting yeah, that. Yeah, me too. I'd be like, why? I have to do like tests and shit. I'm getting out yeah. of here. Well, the guy would have just been like, do you feel guilty when you masturbate? I'd say every single time. Catch you later. And I just walked. Not only out. that, like, here's the other thing, too, is <laughs> I uh, I only know this because I, you know, just I only know this because I've had to like give uh, I've had to work with like psychologists before for psych evals for work. Those tests that they gave him are like 400 questions long. Like it's Dude, super like annoying. Sweaty from filling in circles. Yeah. I was like, I would just leave. I would be like, and I, then they're I, I showing don't him this. the Clockwork Orange like correctional facility video. Yeah, what the fuck? So I'm assuming weird. all of that is just to make sure that they don't have a heart attack, right? Because uh, the other thing at the core, I of assume this all of it is actually wasting his time so they can set up all that right. shit that they do. Well, this is the other kind of problem at the core of the film, which is CRS as an entity makes less than zero sense like, there's nothing about that setup or company that could actually there's exist, no right? way they break even even like ever but not, not only chance. that it's just it doesn't make sense because i these are a couple questions you have to ask yourself by the end of the film right how did you because he filled out 400 questions about jerking off you knew exactly what part of the roof he'd jump off right what if he jumps like five I mean, feet to the side we're we're, that that balloon is what 50 but anyways take that out right uh here's another question not yet <laughs> so the idea of the gift that is supposed to teach him to be a better man is let's turn san francisco into literal grand theft auto for you super rich guy and i was like isn't that how they already live they just get to do whatever the fuck yeah, they're they fine. want i mean no one's ever died in the course of this game like no guy's ever been in the cabin and been like, oh fuck, I forgot the 1920s cranky. Yeah, ah! like exactly. What? There's a ton of shit that's just like, this is the like, the, and this gets to like the crux of the issue I have with the movie, like as a whole, is there's a lot of luck involved in making the game, so to speak, actually work. Like, there's two. Like we talk about this a lot. Like you give the one. You give the one for a movie because, like, this is a movie. You suspend some disbelief. Like, right. yes, we all know a man does not fly around in an iron suit. We all know that there's not super soldier serum, those kinds of things. Like, so you have to give the one. The problem with the game is the one you have to give is literally, like, hey, everything works out. Like, that's the one. Is that, like, time... But do, you, do you think that's actually that bad, though? Because as they're letting us know, these people are... They do constantly, like, cable repair service, right? They're everywhere. So him surviving the game, as it were, is them probably just looking out for him constantly. Right. Like, the weird one is when they jump into the dumpsters, and I was like, what? I was like, if you miss that by a foot, you are shattered spine. You're Conor McGregor all of a sudden. I was like, trying to figure that out. I was trying to figure <laughs> that one out, too, is, like, so she... There's a because like when she when Christine the woman uh De- I think her, I think the actress name is Deborah Lee Younger when she's uh Deborah Carl, I don't know what her name is um but she's like hanging and her like legs are open and literally the guy the fucking guys are like oh very nice you know and you're just like what the yeah. hell 
And then she's like, oh, great. I forgot about that. I'm like, well, she already climbed up the ladder in front of him. So yeah, I was I'm like, like, oh, my God, this is like a pheromone trail scenario. She's like using but, this on purpose. Because he even comments on it. He's like, where's your modesty when dogs are attacking? And I was like, really, dude? <laughs> well, it's like she made an excuse to cross her legs and like properly jump into a canister. Like it's very like all of it is very strange to me. Like this is what the movie does, actually, that I do really enjoy while I'm watching it is after the game, quote unquote, starts every single thing that happens makes me wonder what's what is the game and what's real? Absolutely. The whole time, like. There yeah. is like that that is the total recall of it that I actually really do enjoy is not only is like like my suspension of disbelief is obviously like out the window because I have to just assume like everything's not real. Like everything has a chance of not being real. So like when they go when he goes back to his house and like the whole place looks like um uh the set pieces from Batman and Robin or Batman Forever. <laughs> Sorry, it's Batman just Forever. Rollerblading gangs. All yeah, over there's like rollerblade gangs and shit in there that have gone through his house and spray painted like Batman and Robin. That kind of shit. That um, would probably be a part of our game if we ever got caught. In one yeah, for sure. No, if it was my game, it would definitely be like. But see, this is. <laughs> I, I my text, game would be so much more interesting than this. It's so funny because sure. I texted you when we were when I started watching this and I was like, I don't understand this. Like, I literally, if I had to step in there, like all right, here's a test to take. Be like, I'm going to leave. I don't want to do that. And I just walk out and yeah. be like, whatever he paid you, just give him his money back and like, give me like $30. I'll go get dinner or something. Like, well, that's something we have to talk about at the end is apparently CRS's policy is if you're unsatisfied, you don't have to pay. And I was left at the end of the movie and I was like, is this a satisfactory experience that he's just yeah, oh, had? Yeah. We have like, we'll get to this at the end. Cause honestly, yeah. we like, <laughs> The conceit of the ending we have to talk about because just everything is so. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to it, but we'll get to so it. like. But to your to your point though, right? There's a really great scene that I think illustrates that, right? And I don't know if you saw this, but when he well, he I watched the decides, movie. I probably saw it. Well, right, but I don't know if it like jumped out, right? Because <laughs> oh, <okay>. uh, <laughs> there's a lot going on. It's a very long film, true. and it feels twice as long as it is. But there is a, a bit when after he realizes the game is afoot, right? We get right. the little uh, the doll and they do the deep fake TV guy somehow. That yeah, was pretty yeah. cool. That was cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, that bit you're like, all right, I'm captivated. Like, mm -hmm. Now we're playing the game, right? It's it's almost like Jigsaw's like grandpappy, right? And you're like, all right, right, right. I'm in. <laughs> I'm really digging this setup. And he walks into the airport with the key in his pocket and it's in slow-mo. And now this man who walks, not even looking at the rest of us because we don't exist to him, right? We are but dust beneath his, you know, $2,000 shoes. Right. Now he walks into the airport and every single guy, right? The janitor, the guy over here getting bags, and the, the guy in this vest, he's like looking at everyone, right? So in a way, just by being a part of this game, right? Thinking that there's something afoot, he's actively engaging in the world more. Right. Right. And then that immediately is washed away when he refuses to help the dude out with the uh, who's stranded. He's like, I need TP. And I was like, how are you sitting? You have both your little mitts under. I like I think I'd leave that guy, too. Yeah, no. I'd be like, that's uncouth. Sorry, yeah. we're in a civilization. <laughs> you know? And I, But I thought that airport scene, that was one of those scenes that really worked well. I mean, that's just the kind of thing when you have this much talent making a movie. Right. Well, there's there's going to be scenes like that that just sing. Well, and I think they do a really, again, they do a really good job of like, I was trying to pick up on every little thing. Like yeah. some of them are really obvious. Like I think it's the morning after, I think it's the morning after that they, they uh, drop in the, the dumpster drop when he's walking through the hotel lobby and that guy bumps into him like, oh, that's definitely something. Mm. And then you like, they dropped the card and then like, but here's like, this is the part where I was like, this is not a fun game anymore is when he gets up to the hotel room <laughs> and there's fucking Polaroids of him just like twacked out. There's titties everywhere. And then like, there's just cocaine and weed all over the table. I'm just like, who wants to play that game? I don't think that was weed. I think that was a crack pipe. Oh, is that but... a crack pipe? Sorry. Crack pipe. But I was just like, who <laughs> like, that's the part where I'm like, that can't be a fun this cannot be a fun game like okay now let's talk about this hinge moment because this was an important difference in our reactions 
Because I watched that scene, right? And let's assume that's even just weed. My immediate first thought was, why wasn't this room the gift? <laughs> like, I would just stay in that room. <laughs> I agree. Like, when I walked in, I would just start stuffing my pocket with those Polaroids and start doing the drugs and being like, yeah, come get me, CRS. Thank you for the birthday present. I've learned my lesson, I guess. Well, I, you <laughs> know what else, though? He that's didn't... the thing, though. He sees the drugs, and he looks like such a fucking loser, where he's like, <gasps> I mean, he's holding that. I, I can't I can't speak like to that. Like Ace I Ventura would... holds the bat at the end of Pet Detective 2, right? That's how he touches, like, oh, a mirror of drugs. He turns all of a sudden into, like, a Laurel and Hardy bit. And I was like, what is happening? Let me do the You're same. telling I... me this guy's never done blow. You know what's it? Apparently not. You know what's interesting though? He's a square. Is even so, I love how I just said that. Like everyone listening is obviously doing drugs all the time. <laughs> this is like, this is like day two of technically like day two of the game. Essentially, what's interesting is even now. So like the house, the housekeeping bit was the part I kind of latched onto because even then, like, so he like runs to the door and slams the door literally in this woman's face, like pushes her back from the door. I was like, you could have just as easily said that you're in there. I'm like, you haven't learned this lesson yet. Like, like we're getting to that. We're getting to that later in the pod about like these lessons you're kind of supposed to glean, but like you're still treating people like they are movable set pieces. Right. Like they're piece, like they are just like it's furniture. Well, that, that part too is extra funny because he reacts to being in that room the way that my mother would, right? Like, Oh, <gasps> Like, you know, shocked and horror, like, I can't believe there's so much sin in one foyer or whatever, right? Whereas I think most of us would walk in and be like, awesome. Right. Like, yes, this is, my brother's going to pop out and we're going to do the party now. Cards on the but table, acts, I would have reacted yeah. like Michael Douglas. I'm a huge For pussy. Sure. I absolutely would have done that. That's that's your that's your character. That's me. Right? That's, that's who that's I am. Character. I mean, I'm not a rich one percenter, but I absolutely would have freaked out if that was my fucking hotel room. <laughs> But I'm just saying, why do you think hotels like that exist? For that reason. Why do you think you pay why do you think you pay on your Amex corporate for the for the presidential suite if you're not gonna do just a That's ton of blow and crack in it? That that way that that lady would have walked in and be like, hmm, pretty light Tuesday, eh? Like that cleaning lady <laughs> would have no fear of what she saw. It's true. She None. Would, and she I would. loved but that led to one of my favorite scenes. Because what I think this movie did really well is watching Michael Douglas eat shit is infinitely enjoyable. It's weird because I, I told you this. I just have like a natural hatred for Tom Cruise. Mm -hmm. Not even that I think he's a bad actor. I think the exact opposite. But there's something about Tom Cruise that I despise, which is I can't imagine him in the world, right? Like I can't imagine he just like can act like a normal human being, right? And right. like you read these stories like he was at a Dairy Queen and I was like, lie. Not a chance. And he saw that some kid needed medical treatment, so he paid the whole bill. And I was like, if that's true, great. But he's not doing that because he's a good guy. He's doing that because he's some kind of fucking robot, and that's going to be a PR thing. Right. I'm glad the person got treatment, but what's your ploy, Tom Cruise? Right? Like I just I, every time I hear a story about him, good or bad, it's all it's already part of my pre-built-in narrative. Right? If it's good, I think it's a lie. Whatever. I think he's just like an inanimate robotron, and I don't trust him ever. I hate seeing his face. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> I our weird Tom Cruise aside, but he makes great movies. Uh that's how I feel after watching this about Michael Douglas. He's just this ultra hateable man. Everything that I don't love about a guy, he represents with effortlessness. Are you talking about the Nick Nick Van Orden? You're talking about like Michael Douglas. Both? You little, know little, I don't know anything about Michael Douglas. Didn't he say that he got throat cancer because he ate too much pussy? Yes. <laughs> that sounds like something a mega douche would say. And I'm assuming that's not backed up by science. I'm assuming that's not how it works. Couldn't tell you. I'm not that in that regard. I am not a doctor. That sounds very much like a humble brag. I mean, <laughs> right. A good for Come you, on. bud. You know, do you also, thing. well, I mean, that sounds like what I was ugh, just, I've been drowning in 10 pussy for years. Also, it's, it sounds a little bit like you're doing it wrong. Like, you know, figure it out. Like, don't you have, you know, the YouTubes or the it sounds like what he's figure it, it sounds out. like I'm like, That's are you chain that. smoking? while? are you chain smoking while doing that? That is not the way to do it. Yeah. Where are the Polaroids of that? Because that is that is the kind of danger I need. In the <laughs> but that's what I just say. Like, there's something hateable about him. And I think because I'm not an uncle, like a 48 year old uncle, I guess I just 
Michael Douglas is never on my mind. <laughs> right? right. The last time I thought about Michael Douglas was when I was like, oh, man, Catherine Zeta-Jones married him. And yes. that was like the last time he'd ever crossed my mind. Pretty sure that's the last time he crossed all our minds before like Ant-Man. And I, I'm not saying that I want to wish him bad, right? Not I, at all. He just, he's like a non-entity in my brain, right? If you had asked me to name movie stars, I bet he wouldn't be in like the top thousand I got to. That's just how he existed. And watching this today, for some reason, I was in some kind of surly mood. I had just been in a casino, so like I was around a lot of these guys who think they're like rich or about to be. And it's like, you're not, dude. Well, you're gambling here at a table with me. Well, I wonder, anyways, actually. There, there are these hateable vessels, right? And so I keep asking myself, how am I supposed to get through this movie? And then the scene when he runs in and yells at the the happy old book publisher. Yeah. And he's like, you think pictures of me and nipple clamps and butt fucking Captain Kangaroo's going to hurt me? And I was like, I love him just making a fool of himself. Right. So that and that element, right? The punishing Gordon Gecko element. This film does work. Well, I feel like post Wall Street. That is how Michael Douglas made like Michael Douglas made his bones post Wall Street being like he almost had to like atone for years for having been Gordon Gecko because he essentially he rode this wave like he was that guy. He is this patron saint of shit shittiness. And it's fascinating because like we, we've talked we've we've watched a bunch of other Michael Douglas movies, but the most important one we watched was definitely uh, Fatal Attraction. That's my favorite Michael Douglas movie, but again, it's that the same guy because it's punishing. He's Gordon a Gecko. fucking dickhead who thinks yeah. he can get away with something. Like because again, he's fucking rich. He's absolutely like through the eighties <laughs> and through the eighties and like mid nineties, post Gordon Gecko, Michael Douglas is absolutely one thousand percent the avatar for rich white guys who think they should get away with all of it, even in. Even in the American president where he's supposed to be like the most ideal version of Bill Clinton that ever existed. He's still like a dickhead. Like, I, like that's... I don't remember that at all. Apparently. Yeah. Well, but no, we'll, I'm like, we'll get to Michael that. Douglas is to actors. What James Patterson books are to like authors to me where I'm like, why are there so many of those things? Who's fucking reading James Patterson books with American flags on the covers. I've never seen one in the wild. Who's reading them. And then you go to Thanksgiving. And my uncle's like, I read a book for the first time in 25 years because it had stars and spangles on it. You're like, oh, great. Thanks. Tell me more about this fucking plot to undermine whatever. Anywho, <laughs> I'm just getting a lot of off my chest, right? I'm really. I'm yeah, you're really. You've had a weekend, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Casino Griff's a wild monster. We're recording but... this on a Sunday. Apparently, Griffey has had a hell of a weekend. I'll tell you this. Casino Griffey won enough. And what did I do immediately with my winnings? Magic the Gathering card. So, I mean, I understand the really cool, like, just living in it. Guy, there's right? games, <laughs> and then there's the, and then there's the gathering. Yeah, we don't we don't play games, motherfucker. You don't step. Yeah, you don't play MMA. You don't play Magic the Gathering. You don't, it's a you, don't see, you don't CRS MTG. You don't know. <laughs> That's right. MTG's unfuckwittable. No. <laughs> but. <laughs> It is funny, too, as I was listening to this song to get ready for the casino. I was playing my uh, my BBE Spotify playlist. You ever listen to that bad bitch energy? I do. And so when I was going into the casino, I had like my phone and I was listening to uh, Did It On Him by Cardi B. Shit it on him. Shit it on him. Right. And that's what I was going to do to the blackjack dealer. This has nothing to do with the film. We are completely. No, we're, we're, we're going off the rails here. But that's what happened, though. Michael Douglas and James Patterson made me furious. But. <laughs> this is okay but then but like here's the thing past this point in the movie mm -hmm. things derail really quickly in my opinion like the not, second half of this film is an absolute boneyard of ideas yeah like it's literally <laughs> i mean it's literally you remember the like, scene in lion king where it's like everything the sun doesn't touch we don't go over there that's the second half of the game almost <laughs> what it is is grit when griffey and i worked out at wipeout we had we had this section in the back of the art of the art department like paddock called the boneyard and it's literally where we kept all of the like used slash failed stunts like all the pieces for it were just back there just in case someone had a hair up their ass and wanted to make something else up that is exactly what the second half of the game is like imagine anybody throwing shit at the wall and be like i think that'll work that's exactly what goes on. Like we're talking, right. 
like and like and in this case imagine anybody coming up with anything that like to make someone feel like their life is not only in mortal danger but like every kind of danger you can think of like emotional physical mortal like all sexual of it. sexual like every piece of danger imaginable in the world that is what's getting thrown at the wall to like essentially make michael douglas feel alive it's very weird like okay now that's where we gotta just slam the e-brake just because there there is a part of the film we gotta it, crash this thing in she's the, sitting in the there water and she, right now. he's checking his bank accounts whatever you're right and it the lawyer calls and he's like, your accounts are fine, man. And the paranoia has kicked in, right? This is kind of the last scene that this works mm -hmm. where now he's not. She's like, he's in on it. And it's a lovely moment. It's beautifully. Act. Michael Douglas is a great actor. Let yes. me get that out. After I just spent time shitting on him. He is. He's but that's because actor. he's that good. Yeah, I shit it on him. But he's a great actor, right? <laughs> Sorry, Cardi. Me and Cardi. That's just how we roll. But. He's a great actor, and it's a beautifully played moment, right? Where right. she just mouths, he's in on it. And in my mind, you're you're sitting there, and you're, why is this character accepting her word over his life, or his long time, maybe not lifetime, but his long time lawyer friend who watches his back, right? And it is because this, there's something the movie wants us to believe, which is Nick desperately wants this to be real. He believes his lawyer could betray him. He believes everyone's after his money, right? He's essentially like a low-rent Scrooge McDuck in this film. Very much so. And I was like, is that... Okay, like, take that aside, right? He's a paranoid rich guy. I'm assuming that comes with the territory, right? Right. You have so much money that you got to pay other people to help you manage it. Right. You're afraid people All are your acquired right? wealth is always losable. Yes. Sure. And he's like $600 million. Because that's the other thing. They're like, they cleaned out your bank accounts. And I'm like, oh, God, no. He just probably has cars and yachts and a house. And yeah. Oh, no, now he's just like a normal hundred millionaire. Right? Like, whatever. <laughs> he's but it, somewhat it is this touchable. Beautiful, yeah. yeah, it's this beautiful scene of paranoia. And then there is a strange and weird. This is like gets back to this 90s thing, right? Where what is the worst thing that can happen to this rich guy? He wakes up in Mexico. Yep. Like just being in Mexico is like, oh, God. Not just being like wakes up. So she like basically he gets he's in a tomb. He gets dosed and he wakes up in yeah. a coffin in Mexico. It's a serpent in a rainbow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he a wakes up. He wakes up in a coffin in Mexico and then like <laughs> in a burning cemetery. There's just like fire everywhere. Okay. But then like <laughs> this is how your uncle who thinks the Hooters waitresses is winking at him all the time imagines Mexico. <laughs> I was just about to say. And then this is like the uncle who loves Hooters like response yeah. to that moment yeah. is the next scene is him on the corner meeting a guy and then he'd be like uh uh embassy uh american like i'm like you mm. don't know how to say americano like you're a rich guy of course you know how to say americano like those kinds of things i thought like, that was just a coffee so i guess i'm guilty too oh See, no now michael douglas is related. oh no i'm i'm sure it is i, I what i'm saying is like michael doug that character is racist enough to absolutely say something like that i was like <laughs> come on man like lean into the part if you're gonna do this shit okay before we get to the descending end i did want to ask you about a question right sure because they try there there's another lever point of the film where they they ask you you have to buy in right right which is that Conrad has set him up to get himself out of trouble, right? Conrad, that, you know, sneeze comedy brother is obviously the troubled one. Right. And he opens the car and there's all these fucking, you know, keys and whatever. Mm -hmm. I felt like that was just rough. I felt like, because this, like, did we honestly believe that moment? And then they're going out on the street and just airing out laundry, yeah. spilling tea on people's front porches about, I don't want to be you, I'm not you. I mean, insane shit, like insane, crazy family arguments just on the sidewalk. There's legitimately did that. Wait, let me ask you, though. Is that the moment where you said, oh, shit, he's in trouble or no? Conrad is a really bad, like improv actor. Conrad's a really bad improv. actor. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and this is the problem with calling a movie the game is yeah. there's never going to be a time that I'm not going to think this seems like horseshit. Like ev even even in its darkest, okay, yeah, because like the big, I, I actually so what's I don't know the one when they shoot the machine guns. No, it's the car in the cab. Yeah, the cab. Well, that that is the moment where I legitimately was like, oh shit, like things are getting dangerous. Well, here's the thing: 
that's he what, had the crank, so it's immediately reminding you that it's the game. But that's what it is. Like, this is the problem is, like, it's dangerous because, like, he might fuck up. Mm-hmm. What's not dangerous is the crank. You're like, so wait a second. Possibly murdering this guy in a cab is the game? Like, like you were saying earlier, what if he didn't figure it out? Like, finding and by the way if you're just gonna put like the little uh the thing he's supposed to crank is literally the same color as the door like he would like if you're panicking you're not looking for a small thing in a door it's not even like the unlocking mechanism like there's that's the part where you're like see, i get i get rid of the game stuff it's just the pro like take that out right you're probably right like would i be like where's the the nipple for the crank it's like no. the it's like the inverse of prop comedy like it's it's this weird like <laughs> prop drama it's prop drama yeah like you're just like wait a second <laughs> we're whew, thank god he's got that like it's a little too i get it like that's yeah. the bit are you saying this movie should have been called the deus ex machina <laughs> pretty sure this movie is just one big deus ex machina but go ahead but that's what I mean, though, right? Because this is that you you watch the film and you can't help but be stunned occasionally, right? By Michael Douglas is a great actor, right? Mm-hmm. Like most of the cast is really killing it. Oh, it's great. The cast. directing is really good. There are scenes that just flow, and there's great cinematography at moments. You're just you're really in. And then I feel like that's the problem, though, right? Like that cab scene's a great example of the double-edged sword of the film, right? Which is, oh shit, it's cranking up a notch. They're trying to get this motherfucker. And then as soon as he has the crank, you're like, but it's a game. And what do they gain by killing him? Right? We don't do the money reveal until the end of Act 2. I'm assuming the death would be an unsatisfactory experience. So he'd get all his money back. So it's a Also, you're just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, we have an hour left of this movie. (laughs) Like, they're not going to, unless Sean Penn just takes it over, like, from dusk till dawn. We have an hour left of this movie. We have an hour left of this movie, and we've already almost drowned. Like, Jesus, this that should be the climax. There's actually, I didn't, I don't know what scene it is, but apparently a scene from this movie made in the uh, Bravo's, like, scariest movie moments list. I'm not sure which scene it is. I'm assuming it's the car. But... Uh, yeah, I had no idea. Like Serious I was just like movie moments. Yeah, I don't. I need. I don't know what scene it is. I'm assuming it's the drown. It's the near drowning. But like, hmm. again, or or it's the end of the movie, which we'll get to. <laughs> well, I mean, this is. I just I I wanted to be, but then there's this. this whole, so they start talking to the cops. The cops are in on it. They go to the hospital, and when the lights shut down and everyone just left, yeah, I was like, did he not know there's just, like, a prop hospital? I was like, wouldn't a hospital in a big city like this not be like, hey, fuck off. You can't just stop, like, working so that this yeah. guy can get a yuck. I was like, what is this? A Christopher, is this a Christopher Nolan movie? What's going on here? And that's, that, <laughs> well, that's the thing is that it just it's, – it's strange because I think there's a version of this film, right, mm-hmm. that has more of a point break vibe. Which is, okay. Sean Penn is kind of the, he's working with this collective, right? And they're like, our job is to destroy the people that go home and watch whatever Fox business show that was. <laughs> and that we will crush you and that this is an unfair. And that fights against the home movie, my dad killed himself at 48, like, you know, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge storyline that they want us to buy. Right, right. And again, I feel like because of who Michael Douglas is, the punishing the rich element of this story was kind of in when she was just like, yeah, you know, don't drink stuff yeah. that I gave you. I caught in watching him like try to get back to California. I feel like that's I mean, for a movie this long, they could have spent more time on that. I feel like there was that's, moments there that would have been. I think that's the game right there, man. Yeah. <laughs> I OK, can we talk like that would be to me like that's the capper. If you <laughs> if you show back up in San Francisco after being keel hauled and brought into a fucking tomb in Mexico, that should be like the, that should be like a, hey, well done. You're here. Well, okay, you've won, you've won, you've won so the game. Let's talk <laughs> about like two or three bits, right? So one, the pop psychology moment of, you should sell the watch that your mother engraved for you from your dead father. Right, right. I was like, are we to believe that that thoughtful gift is somehow part of his problem? Like, what? <laughs> All right, let's do number two, right? Him walking in and just making a fucking pronouncement to the whole restaurant. I have 1878. I need someone to drive me from Los Angeles to San Francisco. 
Everyone turns around and we cut to him balled up on the front seat of a truck. And I immediately was like, how did he pay to get to San Francisco? Did he follow the rules of the road? He followed the rules of the road. I think so too. I think so too. And that's just like one of those weird, like we don't need to explain. Cause I was like, here's an idea. What if he actually talked to one of these average common citizens in this section of the film? (laughs) What if he acted like the citizens of Mexico or truck drivers it in a diner weird. were actual human beings that he, were worthy of his conversation? He's like, it is a strange. I uh, Wow. I didn't think about that. That is a strange thing in this movie that he he literally will not talk to any lesser thans. Like no. that one old uh, one old other rich guy is like the only other person he's willing to like tell the truth to. And then like Christine. But she's. Yeah. And she's then his ex-wife. Anyways. Right. Sex wife. Right. But like that, that, that scene too is another one of these, like, it's just the problem of this film is that you feel like there's a David Fincher rocket in here mm-hmm. and you're like, this thing's going to take off and be good. Right. Cause this movie I would imagine would be filed under thriller. Has to but be. it just, it can't thrill you. Right. Cause he's like, I got nothing. I got to like, you know, blow my way back to San Francisco. And you're like, all right, he's like going through it now. Right. Now he went from a six, hundred million dollar guy to like yeah i will suck your dick for a ride like that's a story i want to hear about right right that's where this movie should exist right that's real choices being made to he shows up and he just goes hey can i have your car and she goes yeah sure and i was like that's the problem at the core of the movie is that at every turn he's still just impossibly he still gets things and everyone he knows is impossibly rich and he's just a beautiful like middle-aged white guy like he's gonna be fine like it's interesting that like the lessons that he's really supposed to learn as a person who's like as a person whose life is dismantled the lessons he's supposed to learn at every single instance like you're talking about are flung to the wayside for the sake of moving the movie forward because it's a game like we have no time to actually do any character development because this guy's so busy like kind of not getting murdered a lot that he's like, there's no, there's no time for Nick Van Orton to stop and like examine. Like, I think I'm a little bit of a shit bag. And of course my brother would give me something like this to like change my life. He said it would change my life. Like at no point do we examine that initial meeting again. Like we don't have that conversation. Like there's so much more psychology that should be going into why this is happening to him and him Mm -hmm. like self-reflecting properly about like his relationship with his brother or his lack of relationship with his brother, his relationship with Christine seems almost more fruitful in a lot of ways. And you're like, why is this this, right? There's something that struck me in the movie is that at his end, good job for surviving. Maybe Jesus Christ. Is that his fucking daughter that he strokes her hair? Uh, No, I think that's her daughter. So he never had a kid with her. No, I don't think so. Okay, because he kind of strokes her hair, and I was like, one, if that's not your kid, hands to yourself, monster. <laughs> and two, if that's his kid, why is that not what he's fighting for? Yeah. Right? Like, so that, but that's just one of those weird things. I'm yeah. like, that could have been addressed more. Well, so this, okay, the last 10 minutes of this movie is the part where I like. They go for it. I, I mean, it's like. It, it, I, I did like the idea of it was to kill a mockingbird as his gun book <laughs> to kill a mock to, to kill a, an improv actor by Harper. Try tryly bitch. <laughs> Harper. Try me, bitch. When he's yeah, <laughs> to kill a point really, really home. Jesus to just, just ram it down your throat. Um, <laughs> it's, because, like, the movie is, yeah, the movie is just what it is. But that last 10 minutes are just, like, so bonkers. And you're just like, whoa. So he's up on the roof. Him and Christine are having this standoff. And she's freaked out because she's like, oh, my God, where did you get that gun? That's not supposed to be a real gun. And she's calling out. She would, She's obviously part of it. She's like, CRS, like, yeah. hey, they have a live gun. And they're like. <laughs> they didn't happen to find his gun book or his jar with cash in it. Yeah, apparently they're like, I don't know, the wor- yeah. these are like the worst detectives of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like Snoops. I-, I don't even know what you call these people. But, um, right. So, but, I mean, this that's the thing, though, right? <laughs> is that you never buy into this that 
That's a real right. gun. Did you? No, not at all. Well, the thing that I've, <laughs> this is the part that I fucking laughed at. And I was just like, we're really trying at the very end here. We're really pushing the limits here of me, like willing to go along for this anymore. Any longer is, um, after they like burst through the door and, uh, he shoots, um, he shoots Sean Penn. Um, you hear it's like a throwaway line in the background, like some random ADR thing where it's just like some guy like you never let the mark take control. And you're like, are we still doing this, guys? It's over. This guy is like the movie's done. Well, like, then I knew he was in trouble when the guy's like when he called that that actor's wife and he's like, yeah, I'm a casting director. Uh, we want to give him a part. And she's like, he's at the zoo with my children. Go there and find it's like, what? Yeah. So you kind of, but I'm like, oh, those kids are plants. That fucking tiger's probably like a robot. Everything, cancer. yeah, everything's here's, bullshit. Here's the problem, though. And again, it's just, it's this constant, every time something's happening that you're fascinated by, there's a little bit of a lead in response. Because this is America, right? And so my assumption that no one who's ever been part of the game grabbed a fucking gun and went after someone is impossible. They make it out because he had one fucking leather bounded dish he was able to fucking slither a gun through i was like you could just find guns literally everywhere in america that's just guns yeah we're overflowing with guns so i was like someone would have been shot and murdered so fast so my mind is already and i think this gets back to the hey can i have your car yep all righty bye bye is that you just not even for a second think that gun was gonna be real right no and what makes me sad is I thought there was a, a pretty intriguing tension in that idea, right? Is what if he's been pushed so far because yes. this company is so bad at writing adventures <laughs> Yes, that he actually shoots. But then this is the other thing. Here's the real psychological part that I was very fascinated by. What if he knew it was a ruse, right? And when she says Conrad's behind that door, he was like, this is my fucking chance. I can kill Conrad and but claim see, psychological abuse, right. and he well, like, wanted to fucking shoot him. How much more? <laughs> but the, but how much more interesting would the movie have been if that was the case? If the movie ended there, you'd be like, "Whoa, that is like that is some weird." Like we talk about it a lot, and I think we like these kinds of movies. That's a weird. Be careful what you wish for situation. Yes. It's like what lesson were you trying to teach? It's been devalued because you went too far. Like. That would be a really cool. That would be a really cool twist in the movie. I think that'd be a really interesting way to go. Like, it's weird to me that, yeah. So, I mean, the jumping off the roof thing, and actually, I was like, that is a. I was like, okay, that makes sense. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, you're pretty much at the end of your rope. You've actually like committed murder now. Like, I'm, and then like all these people are like, oh shit, and the whole time I was like, he's gonna hit the ground, and then be like, oh fuck, like. And like somebody like pulls a fucking Chinatown like that's the game and then they walk away or some bullshit like because that's to don't be worry on- about it Nikki it's just the game well no but to be <laughs> honest with you like that's like a Fincher thing like to me yeah. that would make a lot of sense like Fincher is like totally fine making movies where like strings are not tied the bow the bow is very unruly at the end of Fincher movies mm-hmm. for him to like crash through plated glass and land in this big like i mean i don't know what those things are called but basically land on a giant pillow and everyone be like hey welcome and like they throw in that fucking stupid like it's breakaway glass but it's silk and cut i'm like stop also here's the other thing so you're all these rich motherfuckers are sitting in this room they watch him fall through the fucking glass right a man whose father killed himself by jumping off the roof yes he falls through the glass his troublemaking brother runs in covered in blood with a fucking shirt about getting drugged and taken to Mexico and not anyone's like, I have questions, right? No one's like, they're all just like, I, he actually sucks and we don't care. Let's just get to drinking champagne. But like, okay. I, I thought about this. I actually paused the movie at this point and I like, cause Andrea had come home and she's like, what are you watching? I'm like watching the game. Uh, I have to watch a lot of these on my phone because my kid will, my kid gets the TV to watch like Onward and other Pixar fare. So I'm watching a lot of these on my phone. So uh, I'm watching the ending on my phone and my wife's like, what are you watching? And I'm like, the game. And 
she's like, where she's sitting there with me and we're watching it. And that happened. She goes, did he just fall through a plate glass window? And he like survived. I'm like, I, we don't have time for that right now. But then everyone's standing there. I paused it. And I'm like, okay, imagine being at that party. And cause then later on, they show you like the invitation, which says like, Hey, be here between eight 17 and eight 38. I'm like, that's fucking annoying. But like, the other thing that I'm like, think about going to that party and sitting there and being like, all right, guys, we've pretty much psychologically maimed this guy. He's going to fall through that plate glass window, hit that, hit yeah. that airbag. And then we get to party. Doesn't that sound great? And I'd be like, I don't want to be a part of this. I'm leaving right now. Here's my $50 for his birthday. I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like I don't, I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want him to think I was in on this. I don't, I, I want to be the friend who's like, I did not have a part of this. Well, like, no, it's like just uh, roll your ass off the balloon where you just imagined being your father jumping to his death after you killed your brother. Roll your ass off here and pay for half, bro. <laughs> Wear your novelty T-shirt. And he even has the goal. He goes, happy birthday, Nikki. And he goes, I had to do something. You were becoming such an asshole. And I was like, I was like while, I that, while that may be true, the only real evidence we have in the film is that you are the biggest asshole of the movie. Yeah. Right? You thought this was a that good was the way to do slash it? wake up call. There is a way to look at the movie though, right? Because I was like, so then he's in the he's in the like shining ballroom and it, like all these extras are just rubbing up on his rich friends. And I was like, what is happening? There's a version of this where I was like, did he actually fucking die? And this is his version of hell. Oh, like he's good. just stuck in this birthday party actually, and his brother's like the main guy. In actually, you know, my favorite is the 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 guy who plays the um, the CRS guy who intakes him, who pretends to be the actor, says that. And he's like, oh, boy, am I glad you jumped. Part of the script is I would have had to throw you instead. And I'm like, what the fuck is this thing? Who would yeah. ever participate in this behavior? Like, it's but <laughs> like, but to your point. Yes. Like there is this like seventh circle of hell thing where you're like, absolutely. You would like, of course a personal hell would be being stuck at a party where you've literally like, you have to just like be okay with everything that's happened over the last mm -hmm. essentially. What do you think? Like, does it take place over like 72 hours or something like that? It's gotta be more if he's hitchhiking from Mexico. Oh dude, you can do that in a day. Like, it's just like hitching. I mean, if you're a rich white, they're fine. You know, <laughs> <laughs> see i would put it at like a week but that's fair I mean, yeah he's that's the that's the overall theme of the movie is he's fun this is what my issue with the film though is i again i think there's a lot of great stuff i feel like we're doing a lot of like kind of nick nitpicking and nagging at the overall like conceit of the film deserved what i what i think is fair though is that by the end of the film i'm left to ask Right, because they like this is one of those Fincher things too, where I don't think he values humans very much. No, and I, I mean, I get that. I fucking get that. I do. <laughs> so right. the final of the movie is that his brother makes this fucking ruse, and somehow we're to believe this is good and welcome, and that he's learned something, which we have no evidence of in the movie. None. He runs out to ask the woman that he said, "I'm about to kill you." You know, an hour or two ago. On top of the roof, he's like, I'm going to fucking murder you. He runs out and he's like, hey, can we go on a date? And she's like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Because why? Because he's rich? Because she doesn't want to go to Australia to be an extra? Like, what? What? And the burning question you're left with, right? Do I want this guy to be happy? And do I think he's done anything to earn like a newfound happiness? And I would just ask anyone, where, what scene did Nick learn a lesson that goes against the core of who he was, which was a lonely, sad, bitter, rich man right. who treated everyone around him like a piece of shit. Like they were actual shit to just be brushed aside out of his path. Right. What scene, once the game starts, right? Because that's the idea of the film that we all latch on to, punishing Gordon Gecko. What scene of the film does Gordon Gecko? reflect on his behavior and say you know what i am sorry that i got you fired for spilling drinks on me except when he's like yeah i know the guy can pull some strings it's like but that's not an apology right notice that he didn't even apologize to the publisher where he threw fucking titties and balls and whatever at him in front of his daughter-in-law and his wife 
And he's like, you know, butt fucking kangaroo. And he just said, excuse me for my misguided dot, dot, dot. And left the room before he finished the fucking apology. Right. That's who he is at his core. Yeah. And so at the end of the film, I'm a little left uncaring that this man's going to get another shot. Yeah. I I think that it's this like weird. I guess that this is like truly. Yeah. It's the Fincher maxim, which is like, there's nothing to necessarily learn. You got what you wanted out of it. Like, Essentially, Perhaps. there's no consequences to what happened. You just have to pay the bill. Well, there also is a more meta way to examine the film that might work better, right? And if I watched it again, maybe this is what I would look for, is that turning this city into a game for just a guy that wealthy feels pretty fucking accurate to how we live our lives, right? They get to do whatever the fuck they want. Right. And shooting and him driving around like a madman, I'm like, he's not going to run over a pedestrian or someone's dog. <laughs> but who cares because he's that rich right and there's a way to look at the movie that this rich guy can just because he wants to feel anything can turn where we just live into his personal nightmare video game scapes and fuck around there's something to that that's really interesting and i think that's what i will remember most about the game is all this stuff that i really liked and these concepts that i think are really fun and at the core the movie called the game it's the game that somewhat suffocates the movie uh yeah 100 percent. i would i would say that's absolutely my takeaway as well i think the movie gets in the the movie's really pointed pace of plotting gets in the way of what i think is actually supposed to be the value of the movie itself which is like this lesson about appreciating everything like it's supposed to be this christmas carol story essentially yes. and i think because it's supposed to be, but because it's called the game and it has to be this very elaborate set piece, essentially mm-hmm. all that stuff gets in the way and does not necessarily end up like no one is demonstrably different at the end of the movie no. than they were at the beginning. So, yeah. and that's probably how most stories end. Right. And you have to remember this movie is directly aimed at your uncle that owns more than 20 polo shirts. <laughs> and then it starts to click in and, And I think that's, I do feel a little sad, right? I'm sorry, Aaron, if you're upset at us. We love you. There is a lot of good movie in here. I'm not, I'm not disappointed I watched this. This is not an like irredeemable bad film. No, not at all. I'm not mad I watched the movie. I I, I think what's upsetting is that I saw potential for an, it's rare because like, that's not like, you know, we don't rewrite, we don't rewrite movies on this pod, but like from a viewing standpoint, I saw so much potential for a movie that I think would have really grabbed me. Mm-hmm. And instead we got a very, like a very pointed plotting device yeah. that overshadows a lot of like kind of unique story elements. And that's the thing, right? You could make the same argument that in fatal attraction, Michael Douglas doesn't really learn a lesson. He only feels sad that he got caught and is about to fucking <laughs> right, face yeah. consequences. Totally. That movie really is about a guy who just is like, she's so crazy that everyone will pin it on her and forget that, I'm the one who went and fucked her, right? Like, he's a guy who doesn't just confront his problems, I guess, unless it's with an ice pick. And so you can make the case that maybe we're being slightly unfair to this one. It's just, yeah, that's, I think it's, I think it's a strange, it's a strange bag of decisions, right? And it's just, there's so much talent that, and I think that's what you do, right? You you whip, you whip the movies you love a little more because you're like, there's a movie that I really like. Sometimes you watch a movie and you just go, yeah, like I don't even care because it's not even worth caring about. Right. There was stuff that was pulling me in. Yeah, absolutely. And they were they were almost like, you know, pulling our their CRS badges out and being like, gotcha, bitch. <laughs> That's all you got. That's it for the game. Aaron, I, I really hope this was a fun episode for you. I'm sorry in advance if you're mad at us. Uh, we'll make it up to you, I swear. On part two, American Psycho. This is a... Wealthy, scary, white guys, double feature. So right now, today, find part two of this double feature, American Psycho. Prepare yourself for the October onslaught coming on. Lots of horror movies with our friends. We'll be announcing our full lineup soon. So be ready for that, guys. Start watching all your horror movies now. Uh, Make sure you go to patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod so you, like our friend Aaron, 
can select the movies that you want us to discuss on the show. Uh, we are happy to do that for all of you guys. We'll watch anything. No one's found the movie yet that's too far for us. So, not that we're trying to do that. Uh, email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. You can find us on all the social media you're on, and we would appreciate it if you left a rating and review wherever you find the show. We'll be back right now with American Psycho. For the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. 